Phil Murphy is the new man in Trenton. Let's get the inside story. Good morning, everyone. I'm Matt O'Donnell. It is Sunday, January 21st, 2018. This is one of the few shows today that you will watch where we're going to talk maybe a little bit about the Eagles, but mostly about other things. So enjoy, please. With <laughs> us this morning, Donna Gentile O'Donnell, nonprofit executive. Morning, Good morning Donna. Matt. Ryan Tierney, marketing executive. Good morning, Good morning Brian. Amen. Uh, Jim Eisenhower, attorney. Good morning, Good morning Jim. Matt. And attorney Jen Ting. Good morning to you. Hey, as well. Matt. All right, so let's get into it. Democrat Phil Murphy is now the governor of New Jersey, and with majorities in both houses in the state legislature in Trenton, his party now enjoys full control. Murphy, a former Goldman Sachs executive and U.S. ambassador to Germany during the Obama administration, has never held elected office. Now is his chance. So, Donna, will Democratic control in the Garden State be the biggest thing to kind of jumpstart his agenda? I think it would be pretty meaningful. Um, he's got a big, big lift in Jersey uh, after Chris Christie and a lot of the a lot of the disasters that he left behind. Um, there's a big lift that still has to be done in Atlantic City, notwithstanding the things that have already happened. Um, but uh, I think importantly, because of the change in federal taxation and because of the tax structure in New Jersey, he's, he is going to have more limited bandwidth in terms of what he can do. So it's going to require a lot of creativity. It's, it's a good thing he's got a deep financial background because he's going to need it. But I'm optimistic because he's an optimist. Tax issue. He wants to raise taxes on wealthier people, Brian, to pay for education and other things. Could that be something that could bite him in the long run? Or? Well, New Jersey's taxes are way too low. Low, no, that's <laughs> and that's why they—that's kind of why they're in this spot, right? New Jersey's in a horrible financial shape. The Democrats own the whole thing now. You know, they own the governorship, the the assembly, as well as the state senate. They also have two U.S. senators. So it's all about them. And now's the hard part because, frankly, the problem is that there is a kind of a good boy, old boy system over in New Jersey where nobody wants to be honest and say, we can't afford this, we can't afford these pension raises, we can't keep paying for all. So all these things are going to hum. And my prediction is that they raise taxes and kick the can down the road and complain about it. The good news Nothing for Murphy, I think, is he's, he's, I would expect he's going to have a decent honeymoon. I think people in New Jersey were just so sick of, uh, of the governor and just happy to see Chris Christie go. And uh, just the contrast of, uh, of Murphy to, to Christie uh, is, is in his favor. Uh, fresh face, no more Chris Christie. And um, uh, I think that could work, really work to his advantage if he acts quickly. Anyone who says rich is a Goldman Sachs partner has to be <clears throat> an optimist. Uh, so so that's, that's understandable. But I think the problems, as Brian suggests in New Jersey, are just overwhelming. I mean, the pension system is this dark cloud hanging over the state. Um, property taxes are too high, and the new tax bill is going to make them more painful than ever. Um, the transit system is a mess. Uh, so, so there are just enormous problems. The schools are underfunded by the their own admission. They're missing their targets all the time on school funding. So it's like one problem after another. And I really think they're in a desperate hunt for revenue. Where do you get revenue? That's what this marijuana thing is all about. Sure. Yeah, it's yeah. about marijuana. Right. It's not that they're all potheads over there. It's that they're well, hungry for <laughs> revenue. Well, Some of them are. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> one more thing on Phil Murphy. Could he end up being the most prominent anti-Trump governor in the country? He's been very well understood as saying, I'm going to go after this administration. 
I, I think I think that's very possible. Um, he, he doesn't shy away from a fight. That's clear based on the campaign that he ran. And uh, and I think challenging, I mean, there's a whole interesting phenomena going on with localism and states, you know, so governors, AGs, mayors, our mayor. I mean, our mayor has one, been one of the most vocal opponents of, of, of this president. And it's important because people are looking for that caliber of moral and ethical leadership, and I think it adds up. But I also think f if I was Governor Murphy, and they must know each other, I'm sure they do, obviously, because of the whole New York circle, investment banking, et cetera, et cetera, those relationships. It would be a mistake if I was advising them to kind of take on Trump right away. First, let's get what we need to get done. Don't yeah. make more enemies. If you're thinking of running for president immediately, then I guess that's a good thing. You saw Cory Booker's terrific uh, stage performance. That was the most fake outrage I've ever seen. I felt like... Oh, I, I think was on, he was outraged. I would but, say to him, Cory, stop. But. Let's take it again. A little less passion. Give me a little more empathy. It looked like he was like... It looked like community theater to see Cory Booker do that. But it looks like community little, theater. We, we mentioned Governor Christie, uh, one of the most unpopular governors in the country. He left office with a really unusual distinction. He's the first elected governor in New Jersey over the last 20 years to not break a leg <laughs> during his administration, which spanned eight years. And those but, legs were stressed. Right. Sure. And maybe <laughs> if he had broken one, he might have had a different administration. Will, will they suddenly, will Democrats suddenly miss having someone to blame? Mm -hmm. And what is Governor Christie going to do next? I, I think he is, based on what I've seen with the uh, opioid ads, I mean, Chris Christie never evinced any compelling interest in humanitarian crises. All of a sudden, opioids became a big deal for him. And then he's on TV all the time. Spending I mean, state money. Spending state people. money on PSAs by, by most estimations, you know, up to near about $3 million. He's building a platform to identify himself as the humanitarian face of the opioid crisis, and he will use that to recruit clients to sue pharmaceutical companies. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So really going not. back into private Who practice. cares what Chris Christie does? Yeah. Really? And then I mean, there's does that. Does anyone have, have any interest in yeah. that? Or he'll, he'll that? become a sports radio announcer. Is that no, there was talk that he, he said he wanted to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That but hasn't panned out either. You know, the book hasn't panned out. I mean, he's, he's tried a number of it's different things. to be things, a Cowboys fan in New Jersey. Yeah. Also, you know, anger only takes you so far, and I think people just got tired of screaming at people screaming at people, screaming at people. I mean, it works for a while, and then the, it, it is comical to see these ads. I mean, these ads, how oh many millions God. of dollars with right. him in the front of it, hugging people, looking like he really he, cares. He could reinvent himself. It's been it, done It's been done politics. before, yeah. But he won't have really the platform to do it, and I think, you know, he tried, he thought he was going to Washington, and then all of a sudden he realized, wow, Kushner uh, really remembers that the fact that I put his father <laughs> in the <laughs> I thought for sure this was going to work out. That. What? Oh, I thought for sure. <laughs> you know? All right, conversation anyway. with the governor every year for the last six years about. I've had the honor to interview the governor of Pennsylvania on behalf of the Greater Philadelphia Chamber of Commerce. This year's conversation happens during an election year for Governor Wolf. It takes place on Wednesday. What should I ask? What, what would be the biggest pressing issue that you would like to hear from the governor on Wednesday? I, I, I think it would be useful to get his take on whether or not he feels like one of the two chambers will go Democratic, given the wave of mm -hmm. interest nationally. I mean, we're seeing amazing things You're happening. You're talking about in Washington? Yeah, okay. No, I'm talking about in, in, oh, really? in Harrisburg. I'm asking. Because that would be almost so, unheard of. Right. So, so is this the moment? 
Is this the opportunity? Does he have a chance of getting at least one chamber to be on the same side as, as, as his, on, with him? Mm -hmm. Because that was the biggest challenge that he's faced for his governorship is that both chambers are controlled. I, okay. Matt, I would say, uh, I would ask him if he gets reelected, if he's fortunate enough to, to be reelected, if he do something bold in the second term and take on campaign finance uh, reform in Pennsylvania. We have some of the absolute weakest and worst laws uh, when it comes to campaign finance. We've got an unlimited contribution uh, rule. We've got uh, individuals contributing hundreds of thousands of dollars to candidates. Uh, and uh, uh, it's polluted our system. And uh, he's a guy that didn't need that. He has personal wealth. Uh, tough issue to take on, a good one to take on in your second term. So I, I'd give that a shot. I'd ask him, you know, what is he going to, it seems like he's made some progress from the first two years of his term where he was really having a hard time in terms of dealing with the legislature. But assuming that the Republicans take, keep the House and the state Senate, what's he going to do to be more Rendell-like to reach across the aisle? <clears throat> because that's an area that, you know, sometimes these guys get elected as chief executives of governors, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they act like, they're the king. They're not. You don't get anything done unless you can walk across the aisle and find that common ground. So what's he going to do to try to do that, assuming the Republicans keep the House and the Senate? Yeah. Sure. Donna's the first person I've ever heard who talked about a Democratic takeover in Harrisburg. <laughs> Me I think too. It's, I mean, that it's was so, so beyond the pale. This, um, we, and I think we're living in unusual times. Brian's <laughs> scenario is much more realistic. The anomaly is having a Democratic governor uh, in, in a Republican state. That's the anomaly. Mm -hmm. and, and so really the dilemma is... Um, how do you how do you work in that environment? He's becoming a better student of that, I think, mm -hmm. uh, as we go along. Uh, I think he needs to participate in Philadelphia's struggle in this opioid crisis mm -hmm. um, and be more of a player and carve out a role for himself. There's plenty of things he can do. I think he's probably going to get reelected, if only because the Republicans are, are, don't really have an obvious we'll uh, challenger. I wrote them all down. We'll ask him on Wednesday. Thanks so much uh, to our panelists. Now, Philadelphia is having a pretty good week. You know, yes. like our football team is in the <laughs> NFC Championship. They play tonight, and Amazon announced that the city is one of the finalists, 20 finalists out of 238 for H2, which is the second headquarters for Amazon. The nearby cities of Pittsburgh, New York, and Newark, New Jersey are also on the list. Jim, what is the biggest selling point right now for Philadelphia to be the finalist for Amazon? Our people. Our people. We've got great people. We've got great educational institutions. We've got people who are educated and hardworking. Uh, and we've got a great lifestyle. We've got a great, it's a great place to live. Uh, and it's affordable. We've got all of those things. Uh, As opposed to D.C., New York. Yeah, D.C. is yeah. way too expensive and too crazy. New York is also the same, even mm -hmm. more so. Mm -hmm. uh, who wants to live in Newark? Uh, so <laughs> I, think, I think we've got, uh, we've got it all. We've got the best people, the best location. Um, and uh, I think we've got a real shot at this. I want to just say a word about the team that the mayor assembled mm -hmm. using Greater Select, uh, Matt Cabre, Harold Epps. They put a war room together. The package that they assembled right. was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have never seen a city government initiative that was so complete, so thoughtful, so engaged. 
reaching out to people. I mean, if you look at the videos that they constructed, they had everyone from uh, from Todd Carmichael, the founder of La, La Colombe, to Osagi Masoje, one of the most significant <coughs> venture capitalists in our region. I, I, it was amazing. I, you know, I was in Atlanta recently, and the cab driver was there saying that he had two government officials in Atlanta. This was about three weeks ago. They think they're going to get it. He overheard them. Uh, um, Georgia I, Tech being a big... Uh, Georgia Tech. Atlanta's draw. incredible. You know, Mercedes-Benz, there's infrastructures there, high, high, all those sorts of things. I think Washington's an interesting thing. He owns the Washington Post, that D.C. area in power. Pennsylvania, what do we have going for it? Higher ed, transportation, ease of getting around, affordability, plus... You'll be hiring from Delaware, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania, so right. you basically have six U.S. senators that you're impacting. Right. Sure. Which, which, and you look at Amazon's bigger issues sure. as it relates to Washington, mm -hmm. D.C., and taxation, et cetera, et cetera. Not a bad thing to have. Clearly, uh, Amazon is looking at the East Coast. I mean, the majority of the 20 are along the East Coast, so that, that is, fits into Amazon's uh, priorities. Mm -hmm. uh, and I agree, we're so well located. Proximate to other metropolitan areas, you can draw people from New York. You can hire people from Washington. Right. Yeah. Um, so we're well positioned for that, and it's a combination of all the things that Amazon has said they're looking for: the infrastructure, the the low cost housing, the transportation. It's all there. Jeff Bezos has a house in D.C. Right. Uh, three of the locations that made the cut are all in the D.C. area. Is that you mean bad things? Yeah, it was, you mentioned that. I mean, are these signs that they're sort of saying, "Listen, we're going to pick DC"? I think there. I, I I do think suburban DC has a lot going for it because of the things. I mean, he's building. I think, or he's he actually took over two museums and he's combining them into a home in the Calorama Circle area. So, but I think Pennsylvania gives you because of the tri-state area a lot of the benefits without so being so obvious as mm -hmm. being in DC. One of the big problems of having lived in DC is uh, the dysfunctional city government. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously. Yeah. It's, really and it's been point. that way since Marion Barry, and, 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 mm. and it still is. It's a disorganized city, poorly run. And uh, I think that's a factor for a company. Real quick on this one. Uh, Philadelphia is going after the opioid makers. The city of Philadelphia filed a lawsuit this week demanding drug companies that make these powerful drugs to pay for treatment costs and to reimburse the city for the money it spent dealing with the addiction epidemic. It also said that the city saw 1,200 fatal overdoses last year, one-third more than the previous year. Jim, I know your firm's involved in this suit. We're going to exclude you from this yes. conversation. Uh, Brian, Jan, uh, Donna, what do you think about this? Is this going to be effective? I, 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 well, I'm sorry, Jim. Go ahead. You go ahead. You go ahead. Well, we've all seen on TV these uh, pictures that the money was just too good in the in the opioid business and everyone had their hand in the in the pie making as much money as they could as fast as they could uh, so I think uh, the city's on the right track here somebody somebody needs to be held to account yeah and also you know when you go into the Sackler galleries at, at the Metropolitan Museum or, or the Victoria and Albert in London or in Watts Smithsonian that's Purdue Pharma. That's the privately owned family. That, that's the people. That that's the house that OxyContin made. That's the house of addiction, and I think that's an interesting thing. The museums are happy to take the Sackler money. At the same time, the money comes from really from horrible things. I mean, these people knew what was going on. So I'm so glad that cities like Philadelphia are starting these lawsuits because somebody has to be held accountable. Then we go on to that. Then it goes on to heroin. Then it goes on to fentanyl, which most of it comes from China. If I was the president, I'd say. 
you know when somebody tweets or, or makes a phone call in China, you must know where this fentanyl is being made. And until you figure it out, we're going to inspect every box that comes in from China. You think drug companies are scared? I mean, we're talking about oh, companies with massive amounts yeah. of money and capital. Yeah, I mean, I think they're worried because there, there's a critical mass of interest in, in pursuing this line of inquiry and this line of litigation. So, yeah, they have good reason to be concerned. I, but I also want to note that I think we have to be careful because we have a lot of people that are in intractable pain, end-stage cancer patients, folks like that. Um, we need to temper the uh, the need to control with the need to treat sure. and manage. 100% and, and, agree with that. And that's, 100%, but that's a danger. easy to do that. Agreed. Inside Story, coming right back. 6ABC's Inside Story is presented by Temple University. with Inside Story, two local congressional races just got a little bit more interesting. Radio host Michelle Lawrence will challenge Congressman Bob Brady during the May primary, joining former Deputy Mayor Nina Ahmad in the race. Could Lawrence pose some trouble for Brady, who's held the seat since 1998? And of course, he has this uh, federal investigation that's rolling around his office. Brady's 72 years old. Um, these are two young challengers, um, both minorities. Uh, so on its face, you'd think this could be trouble for Congressman Brady. On the other mm -hmm. hand, from his perspective, the, the opportunity to split the opposition vote 100%. between two strong candidates uh, really opens up uh, an opportunity. I mean, I think either one of these uh, challengers could have been a serious challenger, but with two of them serious uh, challengers, I think Brady's in a much stronger position. As I've said <clears throat> on the show before, I represent Congressman Brady. Uh, but uh, A, he's given a, every indication to me that he intends to run, and, uh, and he intends to win, uh, as he's done consistently uh, and with the support that he's had in the district for many, many years. There are two challengers that are announced. There's, I think, going to be at least one more challenger, and that's uh, the Deputy Mayor of Labor in the Kenny, Kenny administration, um, who is 30 years old, a comer, um, guy's got a lot of energy. I mean, I think I think this primary is going to be wide open. I think um, I think Brady, uh, assuming that he runs again, uh, it's going to be probably the most significant challenge that, that he's faced. I think if three get in, he's got yeah. even more of a chance if of making sure he wins. Brady says the more the better, for right. sure. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely divides it up. Okay, uh, they all have access to that poll too. Sure. <laughs> Senator Pat Toomey has endorsed his Republican counterpart, Congressman Lou Barletta, in the race for the Senate seat held by. Democrat Bob Casey. Barlett announced his campaign team is assembled. He has a million dollars in cash. Casey has a little bit more, $8.6 million <laughs> in cash. Uh, we, we've seen sort of like a, a camaraderie between the two senators in Pennsylvania. Typically, they've been different parties. Typically, they haven't gone and endorsed you know, people of their own party just to play nice with each other. Uh, how much is uh, Toomey's endorsement going to mean for Barletta? I, th I think it's I think it's a big deal that Toomey's endorsing him. Um, I think you know in the old days before everything was a constant campaign, you know you governed, which encouraged that bipartisan relationship, and then you fought for whatever seat it was you were going to fight for. So this is kind of returning to that orientation. But I also think that uh, though Barletta has a really good story to tell, uh, 
Casey has been very effective on a number of different fronts. I think that's going to continue to be yeah. true. And a, a lot of people have taken note of the fact that he has really found a new oppositional voice that nobody right. ever Absolutely. heard from Bob Casey before. I, I think the fact that Barletta, though, is endorsed by Toomey helps clear the field a bit that it's going to be Barletta sure. on that. So that really is very helpful to him. I think in the end, though, Casey just... Partly it's the name, partly his, he's not an angry kind of a liberal guy. He's more he's of a... He's been trying. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, I, I think more. he plays well in the state, so I think he's tough. Barletta was already the front runner for the Republican nomination, so I think the endorsement by Toomey is it doesn't add anything to the pie. The, the big question is whether Toomey is going to help Barletta raise money, because as you suggest, Barletta needs money he to does. make this race a serious race. Um, if... if if he's going to play a role in fundraising, that's a big plus for Barletta. If outside money is going to come in and see this race as a, as a serious challenge, um, that gives uh, Barletta... Casey's done an excellent job in, in transforming himself uh, to more to be a, a progressive Democrat and one of the more articulate but not angry, angry uh, opponents to President Trump. And the question for Barletta is... Does, is the Trump effect still still here in Pennsylvania? That, yeah. well, that, or are we tired of it? I, I think I think that this race will be a referenda on Trump. I think the next yes. go around, both in terms of the Senate race and the congressional races, will be a referenda on Trump. President Trump was in Pennsylvania this past week. He spoke at a Pittsburgh area factory, touting his tax cut law and praising Republican Rick Saccone, who is running for an open and reliably Republican House seat in the nearby congressional district, the 18th. Now some have presented this uh, as maybe President Trump wasn't doing something that is going to benefit him in the long run because it's a it's a traditionally Republican seat and he appears with the Republican and if he loses it's going to make President Trump look toxic to other candidates. Now this is the first special election to take place this year. Was it a bad idea for President I, Trump I, to I do this? I think if you're Trump this is a good one to show up in. It's a very reliable Republican seat. There is the issue of the f congressman who resigned and the scandal tied to that and all that sort of thing. But I think if he's going to put his capital out, which he's going to have to do, it's not a bad place for him to do it. And he looks great. He's so thin now. But the concept of Republican reliability is a concept that is really losing. Well, they said about it's, Alabama, it's, right? That, right. Alabama and, Virginia. and yeah. Virginia. Alabama was and, particularly a bad candidate. Well, and but yeah. it, but in Wisconsin, there was a state senate candidate that, that Trump won her district by 17 points, and as a Democrat, she beat a very popular incumbent. So the notion of Republican reliability, Trump has put all of that and, at risk. And this is another race where there's a sex scandal. Right. That's why the seat's the former, yeah. Yeah. the former candidate. Yeah. Yeah. Trump needs a victory in a, in a special election, and this is actually a good one for him to take. Okay. Yeah. So maybe 18th is still red. Is Pennsylvania still red right now? I, I think it What's is. Your sense? I, I think there's, you know, what Jim Carver said years ago about it being, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and Alabama in the middle is kind of, he meant it pejoratively when Carvel said that 30 years ago. But I think it is a, it's a working class, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it, 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 it it's a lean Republican kind of state. Yeah, but know. Trump is no Ronald it's, Reagan. It's we got to go. <laughs> critical swing state. We're going to see everybody in Pennsylvania. Coming up. 60BC's Inside Story is presented by Temple University. Inside Stories of the Week, we start with Donna. So former mayors oftentimes will go and teach. Uh, uh, former Governor and Re Mayor Rendell went to Penn and taught for a number of semesters. 
Um, former Mayor Street is teaching at Temple. He's been teaching since he left office. Former Mayor Michael Nutter has been teaching at Drexel, and the word is he's no longer at Drexel. So there's a story there. We just don't know what it mm. is. Thanks, Donna. My inside story is Merrill Levitz, who runs Visit Philly, has done such a masterful job, announced <coughs> her retirement at the end of this year. She's a friend, at times a client. But uh, tourism, individual tourism, was up 30% across the country in the last 20 years. It's up over 100%. The biggest night is Saturday night. Congratulations, Merle. Yeah, job well done. Jim. Matt, you may have heard that the Philadelphia Eagles are playing a game today. Um, I wore my Eagle tie. Every time I have worn this tie on this TV show on a Sunday in which the Eagles have played, <laughs> oh, no. they have won. Oh, my gosh. You heard it first oh, here. Oh, boy. Go Eagles. <laughs> Amazon holds the solution to the pension, the public pension crisis. Why don't politicians, what can stop politicians from kicking the can down the road? The answer is Amazon saying, we're not going to go to Chicago because they have a public pension crisis. We're not going to own that. We're not going to go to Newark because they have a public pension crisis that's out of control. Um, and, and I think when the message goes out that, oh, you're going to lose business because you can't manage your pensions, mm -hmm. uh, the solution yeah. will present itself. Interesting. All right. Real quick, who thinks the Eagles will win? Uh, actually, raise your tie if you have that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> Eagles. Go Eagles. Go Eagles. Enjoy the game. Thanks for watching Inside Story. Have a great Sunday, everyone. We'll see you next week. I'll see you Monday morning. Ron Early, 4 a.m. Action News Mornings. We'll see you then. Have a great day, everyone. Is that a regular thing now? Hardest 4 working day. Every time the Eagles.